Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. Oh, as always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick, my co-host, but no, Dan. Nick, what happened to Dan? Uh, Dan had lasers installed this weekend. Um, so Cyclops. And, so he is now uh, fully functional as a superhero, which is good. Uh, no, he, he had LASIK done this weekend, so screens are not the best idea once your eyes have been blasted um, like that. So he'll be back next week after Porto, but we're giving him a day off to rest, uh, which means, Brandon, that we brought on not one, but two esteemed guests for this week. Shall you share who they are? Absolutely. Uh, we want to keep that quota at four, uh, but we thought this would be really funny, Nick, if you and I just sat back and let these two joust the entire time. Because we had Stanford Chidge from the Chelsea Fancast and Joe Tweedy of the King's Road. Chidge, I haven't talked to you in much longer. How are you doing, sir? It's so, so good to have you back. And let me remind everybody, Chidge is the OG pod father. It's a great introduction, Brandon. And it's I'm, I'm, I am most delighted to know that uh, you guys still actually love me because it's been so long. I thought, oh, you know, I'm clearly just so low rent now. I'm just not good enough. I don't, I don't deserve to get a call up on the premier Chelsea podcast <laughs> anymore. So there you go. We get housed so hard every time. Clayton, Sylves, yourself, you guys. Every time. If if keeping, people didn't know that we love each other, then they would think that we <laughs> proper hate each other. I know you're good sports. This is just for you, actually, in recognition of what you were saying. Like, I don't know if you can can see this because of the uh, the the kind of screen. oh yeah. Can you yeah. see that? It's, it's it's Hampshire Godfather beer. <laughs> I need to change the G to a P. You really do, but it's close. Five percent dark ale. I can't wait. Well, that looks correct. genuinely delicious. Yeah. Um in my home about, village. Hey, <laughs> well, there's that. Uh, and then Chidge, we, we have your former uh, Matthew Harding upper uh, seat mate just down the road. Joe Tweed's coming at us. Joe, welcome to a, a match review. The last time the people on our feed heard you, you were doing your own thing solo. Yeah, the uh, the feedback from that's been pretty overwhelming at this point. So uh, yeah, glad that it's been really well received and 
getting uh, stuck into the the second uh, leg of that. So, yeah, looking forward to to recording the second version. And I do like the fact that uh, our colleague, our esteemed colleague, has uh, taken the day off when we've probably played the worst game of the season. And he's chosen to uh, get his eyes fixed. So very, very good timing on his behalf. But uh, yeah, hopefully my podcast was not as uh, bad as, as the performance today. Yeah, I mean, we missed a trick though, because he really should now be known as Bionic Dan. Yeah. The, <laughs> There's still the, time. The Bionic Dan. You look a bit Steve Austin today, Nick, with that tracky on, I have to say. Thank Old you. school. <laughs> Just to clarify, Tweeds was talking about his King's Road podcast that we just launched, his solo project. Super excited. He goes in-depth talking about the identity of the club. So go check it out in our feed if you haven't seen it. Um, But talking about Dan, I think we can insert many jokes about him waking up and his eyes deceiving him when he looked at the scoreline. He was really confused if his eyes really were fixed or if he needed to go back in for surgery. But what we're going to be covering on this episode are the fact that Chelsea got routed by 19th place West Brom to throw the season into, you know, just the usual chaos. Uh, We'll talk about Silva, Jorginho, Werner all struggling, uh, not doing themselves any favors. And then, you know, what Tuchel can potentially respond with. Um, But I guess just to sum it up, Nick, you pulled in a couple of tweets from Naz, and I think this is probably the best way to uh, to kick off before we get into the three word match reviews. Yep. Uh, Per usual, the international break screwing up our flow. Um, So thanks, international break again for being wonderful. Chelsea in 14 games, 12 wins, two draws and just two goals against Chelsea today, one defeat and five goals against. Uh, and then Nizar uh, follows up with this is West Brom's joint biggest ever win at Stanford Bridge with their 5-2 win in 1928, 1929. Chid, you were there for that one. So uh, can you maybe break down the, the 1928? And I, I think you're confusing me with Jonathan Kidd then. Nick. Oh, that is so true. God, we, we I'm not sure if on. even JK was around back then. <laughs> no, he was, he was, he's been there since we were started. He, he, had his, he took his boots along in, in 1905 hoping for a game. <laughs> Uh, it's the last time. It's the last time they've they've beaten us since 1978, and I do remember Joe. Joe probably won't. I was thinking Joe might remember, but uh, uh, that the West Brom team in 1978 was utterly brilliant. They had Brian Robson, they had Laurie Cunningham, uh, they had Cyril Regis, they had Ali Brown. They were they should have they should you know they weren't they were not far off being good enough to win the league that side. So it would have been, and we were rubbish in 78, as we all remember. So. You know, it was horrible, horrible, horrible result today. Let's be honest, horrible. The horror, the horror. I mean, that is exactly what these three-word match reviews. So uh, we will get to our three-word match reviews, but I guess, Nick, letting you take over for Dan, uh, we pulled a few in here, even though some, I guess, to to add some, some clarity, we're recording shortly after this match. So emotions will be real uh reactions will be short we didn't have a lot of time to pull some in but there's plenty of uh submissions in short on short notice yeah it's i mean it's easter weekend and you know i think we're we're trying to at least give ourselves some of this day to enjoy uh maybe get drunk and forget this match so uh we're doing this shortly after and uh lots of three-word match reviews uh for for our friends who are pulling those in uh kb fair with that's why not uh going after my heart uh <laughs> definitely not us from dave collier uh will falks with a brilliant one which is strong bloody mary well done uh daniel schuler with lampard's Jorginho back mm, interesting audie joseph with we slept in i wish i would have 
Uh, Pauly with was Keppa in? Interesting. Uh, bit harsh on the goalkeepers. Bit harsh. Bit harsh, I would say. Yep. Uh, Akshay with task successfully failed. <laughs> Which, uh, that's a that's a good bit of wording there. Uh, we have some alliteration. Op- Tosser of coin just threw out 90 options here, but the alliteration option is terrible Tuchel tactics. Interesting. Uh, one of my personal favorites, always, it's all-time goat gif, which is Admiral Akbar from Star Wars. It's a trap. Uh, that's a great one. And then a bunch about Pulisic, and my favorite of the, the whole weekend is the new Bournemouth, question mark. Possibly alluding to West Brom being a bogey team. Yeah, what is it, eight goals in, in two matches this season against oh, Chelsea? Oh, we're going to get into that with an XG, Brandon. Don't you worry about yeah. that. Definitely not the uh, the head-to-head that we wanted to see. Um, look, I think for my three-word match review, there's a lot of conversation. Who Who's to blame? The, so I just went players or manager, question mark, because I think that really sums up where most people's heads are at. Uh, Nick, what about you? Bagged by baggies. Is that tea bag or body or bag? <laughs> Joe, pick pick whichever one you'd like, frankly. Body bagged and then tea bagged, yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's, uh, uh, that's a bit naughty. <laughs> If you got, I've got, chill, I've, got I've got a three word review. Go for it. Fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I told you the match has just ended by about an hour. So this we're still in the moment and I can Co-sign. appreciate that. To, to I wasn't about talking you. about the match, Brandon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> On that note, uh, I will see you all later. Adios. <laughs> Great having you. Over to you, Nick. (laughs) Oh, it's good to be back and seeing you boys. If only it was in a pub. Oh, my God. We need it right now. Tweeds, what do you got? I put, this looks familiar. It's, it's, you know, for all of the the changes to the managers we've had over the past years, all of these, like, really bad performances we've had, they look identical. And, like, you know, to answer Brandon's question, there's only really kind of one common theme at this point, and it's not the manager's. You know, and people will defend the players until the death, and yet they've they've been here. You know, when we were getting beat six 0 under under Sari, you know, beaten in, in under under Lampard, and now the you know the game today, it's the the players are the common thread. But people apparently don't want to uh, entertain that conversation at this point in time. Same players, same results. You know, doesn't matter if we change the manager; it, it looks familiar. So yeah, this looks familiar. All right, did, did you want to uh, do one that's related to the game? Um, well, I'm happy to say something, you know, along the line. I thought Joe put out a tweet that that absolutely nailed it, which was how the system, the structure in the system just totally broke down uh, when, when we went down to 10 men. And it exposed a lot of poor players for being poor players. But I think, I think you know, I broadly agree with you, Joe, but, you know, I think that point that you made on Twitter is, is the most salient, is that... Yeah. We have too many players, and we've you and I have been saying this. These boys have been saying this for for ages and ages and ages. And I think this is an indictment of modern football, not a good one. I think too many players just rely on so many tactical instructions these days that they have lost the ability to think for themselves. And I've said this before: England's great uh, World Cup rugby winning coach, Sir Clive Woodward used to have this fantastic phrase, which was held to be largely responsible for England winning the Rugby World Cup in 2003, which was teacup, not teabag, Nick, (laughs) teacup. 
I didn't right? say I didn't say to you. Direct no, no, that no, towards it, Joe. It, it, it was tweets. I'm astonished. It, it, it was it was Nick for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah, ne- I would you, never steep so low. I, I think you've been been in foreign climes too long, mate. You've <laughs> gone downhill in my estimation. Anyway, yeah, teacup, which basically means thinking clearly under pressure, mm. which is. I think a critical ingredient of, of elite sport, but I think football, I mean, you know, when you go back to Sarri, you know, 38 different ways to take a throw in, you know, they, they are overloaded. Sam Allardyce, do you know what? I remember an interview on talk sport that he did uh, just as he got hired as the West Brom manager. And he said himself, he, he said, and I have to hold my hand up here as do a lot of coaches. I think over the last 10 to 15 years, we have overcoached to uh, players too much. That we have, and that, it, that has taken the leaders out of football, and it's taken the ability for them to think for themselves and figure it out on the pitch. And I think we saw an absolute classic and horrible example of that today. More of that to come, because like you said, I think there's a, a lot of different talking tracks that we can jump into. Uh, but real quick, we just want to say thank you to some people that have supported the show, especially these people financially by joining Patreon. Uh, Johnny Jacob, Doublethink, and ALX76 all joining Patreon at the $5 tier, which means, Joe, they have access to your weekly newsletter and the opportunity to send you questions that you get to answer. Since I've got you on, You've been writing short novels for your weekly newsletter. <laughs> it's been a brilliant read, and it's been well received. Yeah, it's uh, it's been nice for me. I used to used to write a lot more back in the day, and I think it's given me a at least an avenue back into to writing more regularly. But uh, yeah, um, you know, just sort of taking themes that I find interesting from the, the kind of week, and then putting them into a couple of so I suppose two two to three article length pieces, and then just a, a few kind of tidbits that are interesting as well. You know, about the youth team and and some older uh, look at old, some of some of the older players that we have and some nice huge YouTube clips to uh, to start off on a Monday morning. So yeah, but it's another thing which I think is has been really well received and the mailbag as well is always something that I enjoy doing on a on a Monday night. So yeah, listeners or or, or writers or you know readers have access to to send me questions and then I just answer them. And the good thing is they're not always Chelsea related, which is quite nice as well. Definitely good variety in there. Uh, look, Apple Podcasts, no Dan, so we're just going to save them up until we get Dan back on that one. Uh, but lastly, Nick, a couple housekeeping things just to look ahead at the week. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have uh, we have locker room coming up. We'll resume that next week. We're taking the weekend off of that. And then we have the Porto match review on Thursday morning. So we're recording Wednesday night after the match. And hopefully that goes better than this did. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and jump right into the... Uh the match review here. So it was West Brom in the Premier League this past Saturday, the 3rd of April. And while we usually call it Tommy Tuchel's West London Fortress, hard to use that term this time. So we'll just stick to Stamford Bridge. Scoreline Chelsea 2, West Brom 5. Good luck, Chelsea's fifth stand-up on uh, recapping this match. But hey, this is what happens. Chelsea fifth stand-up dropping all the goals, letting us use the content. So go download that. But if you haven't, here's a refresher of what happened. Oh dear, it's a terrible ball. Straight to Pereira. Can he make the most of it? Silva with the challenge. It's a foul right on the edge of the box. going to be a yellow card for Thiago Silva. Four minutes into his return. Alonso round the wall, good save Johnson, Pulisic there to put in the rebound and Chelsea take the lead, big big goal for Christian Pulisic 
Pereira maybe with a chance straight away as Jorginho again gives it away. And then there was a foul actually. That's a red card. Oh, Thiago Silva, is it? Second yellow. Second yellow, he's off. Chelsea are down to 10 men. Oh, it's a great ball through from Johnston. It's totally taken out the Chelsea defence and allowed Pereira to equalise. The first player to score at Stamford Bridge for the opposition since Thomas Tuchel arrived. Pereira again. James got an important foot on that, but it will run for Pereira anyway. He's put it in. Matthias Pereira strikes twice in first half stoppage time and West Bromwich Albion lead Chelsea by two goals to one. Oh, Robinson, he smashed it in for 3-1. Callum Robinson against Chelsea again. His only Premier League goals have come against the Blues. Well, Mount's missed it. It's come through for Townsend. No angle for a shot, but he's worked it back to Pereira. And he moves it on one more. And it's 4-1 to West Bromwich Albion. This is absolutely incredible. Just doesn't get the quality of pass that he thought his runs probably deserved. Might get one now though, it's Werner teeing it up for Mount and Chelsea do have a goal back. Well it's just proved it again isn't it, it proves we can do it but unfortunately we've given away far too many goals. Well could be a late goal here, there is for Robinson he scored again, unbelievable. Chelsea 2, West Brom 5. All right, lineup. Nick, do you want to do lineups? Or do you want me to do this? I'll, I'll do the lineup. Um, I have no idea really how this was supposed to play out, but Mendy between the sticks, Espilicueta, Thiago Silva making a not-so-triumphant return to the lineup, and Kurt Zuma as your back three, so kind of a, a shuffle of the back three. Reese James, Jorginho, Mateo Kovacic, and Alonso in kind of a midfield four, and then Ziyech, Pulisic and Timo Werner up front, uh, which is an interesting uh, front three. Uh, Kepa, Rudiger, Giroud, Hudson-Odoi, Chilwell, Gilmore, all unused substitutes. Havertz, Mount, and Christensen are the subs for this match. All right. Uh, just some of the top-line stats set the scene. Chelsea with 18 shots, eight of those on target. West Brom with 14, seven on target. Uh, we had 67% possession, two-thirds there. Uh, over double the passes. Uh, our pass accuracy was 84 to their 74. We had 11 fouls to their six. A caution apiece and a red card for us. And we had uh, 10 corners to their three. Unfortunately, not much going there. Uh, and then lastly, from at XG Philosophy saying, the XG in this match was Chelsea 2.6. West Brom, 1.47, yet they banged in five goals. I don't get it. They tweeted again, West Brom scored eight goals against Chelsea this season from a 2.12 XG. <laughs> now, Chidge, I know XG is probably not your favorite stat or anything, but between the lineup and the stats and just the fact that West Brom banged in almost over double what they were supposed to, what of those kind of three things stood out most to you? Well, the first one is it just proves what a load of arse gravy XG stats are, doesn't it? But um, I have to say, and uh, you know, I, I got the lineup spot on last night on our show, apart from saying a nip before we went on air. I thought he'd start Havertz because uh, I thought I, I think he's quite enamoured of uh, playing Havertz in this kind of false number nine role, uh, something which is equally arse gravy in my book, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, fair play for playing Pulisic. I've got no problem with that. 
at all. But other than that, we got it spot on. And I think the reason why, for, for anybody with half a brain, it was fairly obvious because he's got one eye on Porto on Wednesday, which, you know, let's face it, is the bigger game. Uh, and of course, he's got players coming back from an international break, some of whom have been very, very overplayed. I mean, the, the most startling omission, obviously, would have been Mason Mount not starting. But I think that made a lot of sense. Mason played three games for England, needlessly, I should add, and also had a knock. Um, you know, Silver was apparently fit, so I, I didn't have any problem with him starting. You know, I had no problem, basically, with that starting lineup. I really didn't. My only question mark would be, where's Tammy Abraham? You know, who yeah. is he? who has he killed at Cobham to, like, not get selected, man? That was my only issue. But other than that, I've got no quibbles yeah, about that. Yeah, that will definitely today. be a talking point based on the WhatsApp messages. Yeah. But I've got no problem, really, with Brandon with that. I've got no problem with the lineup. They just okay. didn't play very well. They weren't at it. And if you're not at it in the Premier League, if you are off 5% and you play a team that was set up really, really, really well, uh, which had a game plan, who carried it out, who pressed and harried us, I, I reckon if I'm Big Sam, I'm saying to them all week, hey, right, this Chelsea side, they don't like it up them. You know, <laughs> get into them. Carry them, press them, put them under pressure because they'll make mistakes and then they lose the plot. We've we, we've all seen it happen. There you go. I mean, big up to Big Sam. I think he played a blinder today. No, oh, I mean they just played. I mean they just played better than we did. I mean flat out. And uh, you you kind of have to, Joe. Just just tip your cap. I mean this lineup should have been good enough to throttle mm. West Brom. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I th- I think Big Sam is is a manager who isn't afraid to just play the type of team that, that is frustrating for people to play against and actually counteracts pretty much everything that we do well in this system. I think a lot of teams have tried to, to come at us, have tried to outplay us and have tried to sort of win the game, you know, by, by sort of trying to, I suppose, kind of dominate certain areas of the pitch where we've obviously retained the ball really well and we kind of defend with possession and it sort of tires them out. He's just gone right and banging out a back five. I want four across the middle, basically in midfield. Um, and then a striker will sort of float around. And I think what he's he's looked at probably is looking at Cover and, and Jorginho. That first half, even before the red card, they were all over them in possession. And I think when, you know, you can look at them historically as a pair, not just under Tuchel, but when you press them to the extent that West Brom were doing, like in the first half an hour, it's very, very difficult for them, for them to get a foot on the ball, to get control of the game. But obviously there were some really kind of notable mistakes that were made under pressure. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm okay in terms of the, the team selection. Um, you know, I'm never, I'm never going to be someone who sits here and is happy that we, we play a double pivot of two players who can't run. Um, <laughs> I do feel a little bit that maybe Silver coming back in for Christensen, uh, you know, we, we can all look in, in, in hindsight and say it was a wrong decision because he got sent off. But I felt Christensen has been play, playing particularly well. Um, and, and it's kind of made that position sort of his own at, at this point. So maybe that was one that I was a bit concerned with. But the rest of the team, yeah, I agree with Chidge. You know, we had some we had some players coming in or coming back, I should say, to Cobham, particularly someone like Mason Mount, who for some reason is playing like near enough 270 minutes of football when England were super comfortable. And, and it's not like England don't have a you know 15 number 10s to pick from in terms of the you know the shape and, and the position and style that they want to play in. So. You know, I think there were a couple of players that obviously were are now injured as well. Kante, I think, was a big miss. Um, but from the, the guys that we had left, you know, this just should have been, I think, probably something that was certainly capable of 
of, uh, of beating West Brom. And even if we were maybe a little bit fortunate with the goal to go 1-0 up, the capitulation thereafter was, you know, I mean, it, it's up there with some of the worst ones that we've seen over the past, you know, four or five seasons, I think, in terms of just the way that everything broke down. But yeah, it was probably a good enough team. But uh, I think, as, as she said, if you're not up for the game, if you're not there from, from minute one, and I think it was quite obvious within the first five minutes, for maybe first five, ten minutes, we weren't really kind of at the races and we weren't, um, you know, coping with the with the pace of the game. But yeah. yeah well, one thing All I right, would... Well, one, sorry, uh, Brandon. One thing I would say to follow up on what Joe's saying and, and perhaps retract... Well, not retract, but mitigate my meanness about expected goals. What I will say, which is unusual, is that... You know, basically, and I think I think Tuchel mentioned this as well, is that basically everything that West Brom hit went in, you know. And, the, and, and I think that's interesting because they were all really, really good goals. But how many times, have, I mean, we used to hear this a lot under Frank, didn't we? Well, they just, they just everything they hit went in, you yeah. know. Everything that we hit never, never went anywhere near. So maybe there's more to it than that. In the old days, we would just blame Kepo because he had, you know, smoke hands or whatever. But maybe there's something more systemic at foot here question very very well could be i just want to take our ad break and when we get back we're going to just going to go all into all these different angles but uh again thanks to sponsors for financially supporting the show we get back again we're talking about what actually went wrong and then we'll talk about some individual performances and get into what might we do to fix it we'll be right back hey everyone before we get into today's pod i just want to tell you a little bit about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast but don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get this all for only $15 a month. That is the exact same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So you're getting a pretty good value here. Whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description uh, in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. All right. Well, let's just keep that thought train running alive. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we just have to say this shattered a lot of the momentum that Tuchel had built going into this match. It's almost like the international break has halted everything. I mean, this is West Brom. Right. In my mind, going into this one, we see the lineup. To Chidge's point, I'm okay with some rotation. If we can't rotate against the 19th place team in the league before a Champions League, we've got we've got bigger problems maybe than what we thought. And so I think today, while there were some extenuating circumstances, specifically the first half double booking of Thiago Silva that led to being having to play down a man for an hour of this match. It still doesn't change the fact that leading up to that, we weren't great. We were not putting in a lot of um, great performances. Uh, we were passing ourselves into pressure a lot. We weren't ready to 
almost release the pressure from West Brom in their press. So again, a couple changes on the lineup. Thiago Silva making his debut since the injury. Um, again, all of these things to me, Joe, make sense. Like what a great team to play off an international break, 19th place. They're kind of fighting for their survival. They think they have a chance. They have a negative 34 goal difference, which is really not going to help them. I think they've conceded some 58 goals this season. Yet we rock up at home and just seem to not have a clue what the game plan was today. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to be slightly contrarian here in that I think that the way that, that Tuchel's side currently plays is more likely to struggle against a West uh, Brom who know who, they kind of know their identity. They're going to come, they're going to defend with two banks of five and they're going to ask a Chelsea side that really lacks creative and cutting edge to break them down and to continually create chances and to continually um, challenge them. That doesn't necessarily mean that we should then go and concede five goals. You know, that, that hasn't really been sort of the way it's seen this season, but we have seen plenty of performances where, you know, we've had an awful lot of territory, we've had an awful lot of the ball, um, but that cutting edge and maybe that sort of final bit of quality isn't there. And even then in games that we've won, I'm thinking particularly sort of Liverpool and Atletico, um, those were won by real individual moments of, of real quality. Like, over, you know, we win by an overhead kick and then Mason Mount scores an absolutely fantastic goal of the month contender. Um, this style of play, I think, you know, if you can separate it a little bit from the results, and I think, yes, I said, the results have largely been been very, very good since Tuchel's been here. This performance style, I think, is, is always or has always got the potential to not come, un, you know, completely unfurl in the way that we've seen it sort of, you know, today, particularly after the sending off. But I think if teams come to play us and, and humble themselves and just defend and play with two banks of, of five, um, they always have that ability to counter. They always have that ability to take their chances. Um, and I, you know, kind of seen today, but even the first goal, I mean, it's a lucky ricochet off of, of a free kick. Um, and then, you know, the second is a little bit kind of in terms of broken play. Uh, probably Timo Werner probably should have scored as well. But I, I do feel that th- this kind of run of games coming up that we have, you know, it, it is going to test Chelsea in a different way because I feel a lot more comfortable with this style of play that Tuchel has kind of put in to, to protect the team and to kind of wrap certain players in cotton wool. I prefer it against better quality opponents because I think it, it suits us better in those games. But when it comes to the West Broms and teams who are maybe quite happy to sit back and to, you know, almost come for the point and then look for their opportunities on the counter from set pieces, whatever it may be. I do feel a little bit that this this style of play against this kind of opponent is where we're, we're kind of likely to, to fall down. And again, you know, you look at the subs, I mean, we'll talk about a little bit today, but the, the substitutions that were made were not necessarily for us to go and win the game. It felt like that it was to try and protect um, and, and, you know, sort of, yeah, I suppose to protect the, the the result we had at that point, but all it seemed to do was invite pressure. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned that that maybe is the mentality is that we're so, we're so kind of, I suppose, trying to, to stop teams from attacking us, to stop teams from countering us, to stop teams from playing in a way that, that we've seen have success against us, that we're not really always thinking about that final, um, the, you know, the movements in the final third, the ways to yeah. get chances in the final third. I, I, I saw that today. The- the thing that's odd to me, Chidge, is for a team that has gone on this uh, really successful run since Tuchel came in, they don't look especially confident. Like, like I, th- I think a couple of performances have, but especially on counterattacks, especially when we get any- anywhere near the opposition box, it just looks like they don't know what to do. Like, Reese James put in that beautiful ball to the back post today, and no one 
made a run forward. And it's like, maybe it goes back to your, your teacup analogy from earlier, but I, it, it's so, so odd that so much attacking talent could be on, on display at one time and no one knows what to do. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't think it's a team confidence thing. I, I mean, the defense, for example, I think have been supremely confident, but I think the problem with the attacking players is that we've got too many players who are either out of form or, or thoroughly, Lacking in confidence, probably both. Werner, I mean, you know, he, he's, I mean, words almost fail me, but it's it's a confidence issue. You know, Pulisic is a confidence issue. Ziyech, I think, is also a confidence issue, actually, because he's still getting to grips with playing in the Premier League. It's all right being the player of the season every year for Ajax in a Mickey Mouse league, but he's now in a different bloody gravy and he's not the top dog at Chelsea. So it's going to take his head a while to adjust to that. So you could say that's a confidence thing for him too. You know, Havertz is trying to get used to the the Premier League and he's only 21. I mean, it's, you know, so that's where the problem lies. You know, hopefully, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. My biggest disappointment in many respects this season has been Pulisic. And this is not, not to dig him out. This is because he was so bloody good last year. I mean, you know, apart from Mount, he was easily Chelsea's best player. He was certainly our most exciting and most penetrative. And then he got that injury. Clearly, I, I think that was on his mind at the beginning of the season. He 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 he, is, he looks to me like the kind of lad who is so desperate to do well and succeed that he kind of tries too hard in a way. And I think he's played a lot like that. And then, of course, it doesn't go very well and you play a few bad games and he starts to worry about it and the confidence will go. And I think, as I said, for me, he's been the most disappointing because of that. But, you know, we know there's a talent there and I'm sure it'll come back. We know Timo Werner, you know, has the capability to put the ball in the net and hopefully he hasn't got the permanent yips and his confidence will come back. Ziyech will get used to the Premier League. Havertz will get older and better and used to the Premier League too. But right now... We need players who can create and score. And right now, it doesn't look like we do. It was a bit harsh that Ziyech had to go off as the one subbed. But if you're looking at having to take off one of the wide players, Ziyech Pulisic, that was an easy decision on the day. And still, we're not seeing enough out of him. And I don't know, he, he definitely just hasn't found his footing under Tuchel in this new system and what he's been looking for. I mean, I remember one time he tried to play Timo Werner in straight down the field and just kicked it to the goalkeeper like did like it was on his left foot he had time and just miss hit his pass something is out of sync for him so when we kind of look at these lineups and things if I'm that front three of Timo Ziyech and Pulisic I'm thrilled that you're playing West Brom who bleed goals and we couldn't even get a sniff until Mason Mount came on and it's just sitting there going you know, it was a great free kick from Alonzo and smart play by Pulisic to follow up for the first. But other than that, I really didn't see a whole lot to be like, yep, this team, they're looking to drive forward. They're looking to create chaos. They're looking to have chances. I mean, we just couldn't really break the press and, and find a way to release the pressure. Yeah, I mean, Tuchel said, I didn't see it coming. We have to take responsibility, shake it off and digest it, right? And and I thought Joe Cole, you know, we were talking before the before the show, Chage, about how much we love Joe Cole. He said, this is a lesson to Tuchel. This isn't the Bundesliga. This isn't League One. This is the Premier League. The 19th 
best team in the league just beat the fourth best team in the league 5-2. That does not happen anywhere else uh, in the world. So it is, it's maybe just a reality check. I hope it's a, it's a, a temporary loss of, of concentration maybe or something like that. But it, it, is, it was brought on by some incredibly bad performances today. Like we just have to say it out loud. Jorginho, Thiago Silva, Timo, I don't know who else would be on the naughty list. Uh, maybe Zuma or Alonzo. I'm, I'm not sure. But take take your pick, Joe. Wh- which one do you want to start with? God. Um, <laughs> oh, you can blame him. All day long. <laughs> Probably yeah, terrible one, game, of those, one of those days. Um, I, I think the, the midfield today were, were absolutely tragic in general. Um, you know, I think people were... Certainly, saw in the timeline, people were were kind of calling back to that Bakayoko performance against Watford, where he had maybe the most catastrophic thirty-five minutes I think a Chelsea player has had. Gave the ball away consistently and then managed to get himself sent off in the first half. Um, you know, there was you know you can go and look at the tweets today. I think Jorginho is is maybe um, probably I say maybe he's he's probably significantly at fault for for you know Silver being sent off. Yes, the second one you could say you know it's a bit of a lunge from Silver, but you know sometimes the the overplaying in those areas, particularly, I think, because West Brom had that pattern figured out. But then it, one thing I noticed certainly is, is sometimes when we try to stagger the, the midfield pairing, so one goes a little bit deeper, one comes a bit further up the pitch. One of their wide players was sprinting in to mark the guy who's normally free, and that's normally Kovacic. So when they're both completely marked, and you could see certainly the, the mix-up they had for one of the goals, um, it, it was just one of those, I think, one of those days where West Brom kind of figured if they stopped them playing, um, then the whole thing kind of fell to pieces. And I think Jorginho was, you know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, so it, it does feel a little bit disingenuous for me to say that he's one of the worst performances I've seen from him. But, you know, consistently giving the ball away, consistently overhitting passes, um, not being in the right position. I think the fourth goal, it was telling that Mason Mount was the one sprinting back from an advanced midfield position to the massive hole where the defensive midfielder should be standing, whereas Jorginho is standing out on the touchline having been played around. Um, you know, and I think... You know, one of the things that I, I, I've not necessarily been criticised for, but I've, I've been quite vocal about is that Chelsea need to really go and invest in some good midfielders this summer. Um, you know, we are never really, I think, going to challenge City or even even really start getting close to them without looking at that midfield composition. Um, and, you know, to a point as well, and I, again, I think some people were, were saying that Kovacic played well. You know, we did get beat 5-2 and midfield was one of the weakest areas and he did lose the ball numerous times in really, really bad positions. And as much as the, he was giving us sort of a little bit of drive and go forward in the second half, I don't think you can overlook the fact that he kept losing the ball and then they were straight, you know, they were running straight at our back three. Um, so I think as a pair, I think they play particularly poorly today. Um, and I do feel certainly if I am a team that is looking at this from an analysis perspective, you know, historically, this has been how you stop Chelsea. You, you get in our faces in midfield, you get physical with us. Um, you bully us a bit and then you get have hopefully have a lenient referee who can let you get away with maybe a bit more than than you normally would. Um, but this run of games we have coming up, I'm looking at that now as the blueprint to to stop this, uh, you know, stop our ability to build play up. Um, but yeah, I think both of them in particular, particularly Jorginho was, I think, catastrophically bad. How he didn't get pulled off at half time um, was was absolutely incredible to me. I think where he, he got subbed on what, 72, 75 minutes, something like that it almost felt like 70 minutes too late in, in some capacity. So, you know... And I wrote it's, that in my notes, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's true, Jidge. You know, so it is, you know, by far the most important area of the pitch, particularly this system that is built to 
to control possession, to, to win the defensive battle with the ball, to have time and space. When you pressure them and when they don't play particularly well, I think you see the after effects in the entire team. This, the, the, how disorganised we looked, how the structure that we normally have looked like it was you know, a completely different team at times. And then obviously when you go down to, to 10 men as well, not having that extra player in to help defensively, um, it was, I think, a big eye-opening kind of moment for me. Um, and I think West Brom got loads of joy in those areas. So probably probably Jorginho, but I think Kovacic also for me, just the fact he lost the ball and gave the ball away a ton, even though he was driving forward and trying to at least try something second half. I can't overlook the fact that I think they were probably the biggest contributors to uh, the way that we were performing. Well, the engine is in the middle of the field. Yeah. I think that that is a consistent thing with teams, right? You say that's that's where the maestro who maybe dictates pace and play and things like that, that's where the tempo is set. That's where position and consistency and transition from offense to defense and defense to offense happens. And it did not happen today, which is weird because those two have played a lot together. So it's not like that is is a big shakeup, you know, for those guys. But one of the big shakeups, Chidge, was Silva. Tiago Silva back in the lineup after his long injury break. And he seemed out of depth a little bit. But then you can almost be like, well, you see the tweets that Jorginho literally played Tiago Silva into both of his yellow cards. So <laughs> I can also have a lot of empathy for him and sympathy and be like, Rough day back at the office, Tiago, because you were dealt a shit hand. Well, I mean, we mentioned it earlier, and and, and I, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, there's no doubt, Jorginho, you know, sold uh, silver down uh, the river, didn't he, with uh, some terrible uh, back passing or just terrible play, really. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, I think, which is odd, you know, for a player that's so experienced. Uh, I'm surprised by this, but I remember. You know when he came in uh, earlier in the season, man, he'd had he'd had a bit of a layoff for injury, hadn't he? And he and he looked really really rusty, and his his passing was all over the shop, and his passing was all over the shop today. By the way, while he was yeah. on, and it just strikes me as really odd that somebody that good, because let's be honest, you know, Thiago Silva is a world class player. He might be getting old, but he's a world class player. It just surprises me that somebody that experienced. Would do that, and I and I, I'm again. I reflect on what Joe Cole said after the match, which is, you know, that it, you you can't take the piss in in the Premier League. You can't just say, oh, well, we'll give him forty five minutes. He's not. They're not playing a youth team. You know, West Brom are fighting for their lives. They've got some gnarly old pros in there. They've got some talented players. Big Sam, love him or hate him, he's a wily old dog. He's a good manager. You know, and and you know. Maybe it was that if there was one selection issue, it was perhaps picking silver, and, and maybe we should have started with Christensen or even played Rudiger. I mean, I, te I tell you what, what Joe just said in the last five minutes absolutely, utterly, completely nails it. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we lost that game really in the midfield today, and it's really frustrating because. I can accept on a human level, actually. I mean, you know, I have these rows with JK, as as, as Joe will know <laughs> very, very well, who, who expects perfection in everything. Um, I don't. I'm a realist. You know, we're all human beings and we can have off days. And Jorginho and Kovacic had an absolute stinker. They had an off day today. I think it was part of West Brom's game plan to, to, to go at them because, you know, we've seen before that they crumble quite often when that happens. But we've got a real problem in midfield because, you know, whilst Jorginho can be excellent at controlling a game when he's allowed to, 
you know, if a team does target him, we're in problems because that means we don't have control of a game. And then our back three, I don't care how good they have been, and I do think they've been good, but any back three will be vulnerable in that in that position. And, you know, Kante, only world-class player we have at the club, you know, but worrying how injury-prone he's now becoming. We so, so forget bloody Erling Haaland. We need, we need to, we need two decent world-class midfielders, one who is is like you know another a reincarnation of Michael Essien a shit house a yes. brick house somebody who will not let you pass and we need somebody dare I say it like like Frank you know somebody who can guarantee you fifteen goals from midfield here I want to ask Joe a question because it's something I can't remember whether Joe and I have talked about this before but you know for me the ideal midfield would be. You know, I would I would put you, you know if Tuchel wants to play these two bloody double sixes, I would have one of them as Mason Mount. You know, I would have a ball winner and a ball carrier, and I think Mount could play, you know, as one of the two sixes. That would give us more, I think, Joe. Yeah, the the, the way that I see him using Mason Mount, and I'll be specific for the rest of the season. So I'm I'm like you. I, I hope that we actually really invest in the midfield area, and Mount maybe doesn't really have to be considered in in sort of playing a deeper role. I think games like today where Mount's ability to play on the half turn and beat people individually and then play passes forward and actually carry the ball a bit and, and play in a slightly more agile and a more pacey fashion, I think his game really suits it. And then again, if you're coming out like a big European tie, you put him in as the number 10 and you play two more defensive players in there, but then you get Mount's energy and pressing up there. But I think for certainly when it comes to the Premier League games and actually a lot of these games we've got coming up, why you need to have two players who are very passive in possession and want to, you know, I mean, again, this defending with the ball concept is not something that I'm a massive fan of. Yes, it works and it has its it has its benefits at times. And yes, it fits the, the group of players. But sometimes you need to have an injection of pace and quality and and, and just a little bit of, of craft in there. And I think Mount playing deeper with maybe Kante gives you enough energy to win the ball back and press and counter press. Um but it also means that at least one of those midfielders can actually join the attack. Because I think the thing we're seeing at the moment in every single game, we're so reliant on this front three doing something. There's no real benefit. There's no one coming in from midfield, you know, late runs or ability to really play any kind of passes or to create anything from deep. When we get the ball out wide, you know, Reese James has got a fantastic cross, but he's crossing it to a five foot 11 striker. You know, Marcus Alonso is for the most point just goal hanging at this point in his career. He's not really doing much apart from trying to get on the end of stuff, which is fine. Um, but, you know, if your main outlet is crosses from Reese James, then, you know, why have you not got one of the centre forwards on that we have that can head a ball? You know, that seems to be the, mm. the, the kind of the end result is shifting the ball to Reese, hoping he puts a, a good ball. And I think he put two or three crosses in today that probably one of them you think someone should have got on the end on and scored. Um, including, I mean, that, I, I don't know if it was him who played the corner to Zuma at the death. But there were a couple of good balls in there. But when you when you don't have somebody in that in that double six that can actually join the attack and actually be effective in the final third, you're just you're just hoping that the front three do something. And that really, when we when I know this is something that Nick always brings up about the lack of real, almost I don't want to say lack of coaching, but the lack of real ideas and, and interplay of that front three. You're just hoping really that because they're good players that they're that they're going to figure it out at this point in time. I still think we need to add more numbers to the attack to create more chances. Um, and I think having Mount certainly playing slightly deeper, maybe playing Havertz ahead of him, then that gives you that combination a bit more quality. You know, Mount into Havertz, into whoever is up there. Um, but yeah, 
you know, it's it's going to be one of those things. I think hopefully towards the end of the season, we see Kante Mount maybe sort of join forces and start playing again, because I still think the best midfield performance we've had this season was Burnley with Kante Mount and, and, and uh, Havertz playing in the three. In terms yeah. of like fluidity and quality and passing and how it kind of worked, I still think that was sort of the best combination we've had. Um, you can still replicate that in the system. You just bring them out a bit deeper and you play, you play Havertz either as a false nine or one of the one of the inside forwards. But you know, we do have to think about ways of trying to get at least another body into the attack who can actually affect the game. Because it's again today, Cover had a decent shot, but I mean, you know, in the past 10 games, he's had one shot that looked okay. You know, if we're going to cut the ball back to the edge of the area and it's going to be Jorginho, Kante or Kovacic, we're not going to, we're not really going to score that many goals. <laughs> or if it's Rudiger from 40 yards from the left side or Aspie from the other side. Yeah, but if, if to... it was Mount, if it was Mount in that hole, Joe, which is what you and I are, are, yeah. are saying, I mean, you know, he is, he is the most Frank Lampard-like player I've seen since Frank Lampard. Now, okay, I know they're very different players with different attributes, but in terms of what he could bring to this side, I, I think his late runs, yeah, huge, you know, huge. getting into the space, because, you know, modern football, you know, um, I, I read a very interesting article about, funnily enough, expected goals and uh, and why why coaches have got data analysts and they, they don't base it, because I'm always moaning about the fact that none of the teams shoot, but apparently it has a lot to do with the fact that the statistically your chances of scoring from a shot outside the box are so low, they don't bother. Well, there's a reason for that. Defences are really organised. People get numbers back. They block shots very, very effectively. What they can't do very well is pick up a late runner. It's always been the case. Football is not complicated. It's a simple game. And people have been making late runs to get on the end of something since football was invented. And it's keen hard to defend against, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, no, that that uh, the late run concept, I think, as well. You actually see from the very first training session that Tuchel did on YouTube, that cutback that he's been working on is designed for a number eight to actually run, come onto the ball and, and strike it. His, that entire training session is built around cutting the ball back yeah. to somebody coming into or making oh, those late runs. Well, it might as well be cutting it back to me. as the, the, That's the thing. <laughs> well, it, it's part of the reason that you have width in the first place. Is, yeah. is so you stretch out defenses and hopefully in an ideal scenario, in Chidge's scenario, you have someone like Callum Robinson today who comes <laughs> in and just blasts it right back. I mean, th- it was a great goal. It was an absolutely great goal. Yeah. <laughs> I was so annoyed. When he, when he scored, I was like, okay, fair play. That's a ridiculous goal. But it's exactly, it's exactly what we haven't done for, you know, 15, 20 games. Have someone make that run and pull the ball back to them. Well, all, all season, I have to tell you, Nick, we, we had Martin Wickham on, on the preview <laughs> show, on the Fancast preview show last night. Martin is Irish. Right, and he is he is still bitter and twisted about Ireland losing to Luxembourg with Callum Robertson playing, and he said it. He called it last night. He said he'll probably he'll probably score two against us today, like he did last time. So it's all Martin's fault. <laughs> so while West Brom used up all of their goals for the rest of the season, very poor strategy from them because I'm not sure they have a lot else in in the coffers, as you might say. Uh, Timo Werner obviously was off the paces today. Uh, we're kind of been off the paces all season. I think everyone knows the running joke that I am sadly losing this bet in a very embarrassing way with my Liverpool buddy who was glad, quote unquote, that they didn't sign him. And now I look silly. Uh, but Nick, a lot of this comes back to, I mean, to be fair, this is a drum you've been beating f- kind of within our group much longer than anyone else is that it's not so much about Timo, 
It's about the other options we have that we're not using and the insistency of going with Timo match after match, goalless after goalless, or just not enough, even when he does get goals or assists, when you've got Tammy and Olivier Giroud on the bench. But today, you don't even have Tammy on the bench. And according to Matt Law, he was told that he was fit and he was just dropped. Well, and, and not for the first time under Tuchel either. I mean, like this is a this is a problem. Uh, it's a real problem. I mean, like there we have this screenshot up of the uh, now infamous assist he made to Mason Mount, who could shoot the ball on target and score. Um, Timo changes one hundred percent. Right, is not confident. Um, he had that horrible miss midweek uh, for Germany against North. Macedonia um, didn't realize they split that country up. That's pretty fun. Uh, it's it's just not good enough. And and I think the problem that I've had all year is not necessarily Timo. Like Chidge, Chidge is a mental health professional. Chidge will be able to break this down far better than I can. And I think it's a serious thing. Like don't I'm not playing at it. But my my problem is the double standard. Timo has been given every single chance in the world to prove his value. And then you have a player like Tammy Abraham, who is a far better uh, goals per game average than Timo, far less time, far fewer chances. And he's not, he's not good enough to make the 18. Uh, That's, that's shocking to me. Uh, It it just is shocking to me. And then I think it was, it was Chidge again who brought up, or no, it was Joe who brought up the fact that you are pouring in crosses under this system and do not have a person like Giroux in in the lineup that can go and actually take advantage of those crosses is wild to me. So it's what's, what's going on here. It's a little strange and I hope the Timo gets it right, but it, but it can't be at the debt. It it can't be for the detriment of everyone else because he's, he has to put the ball in the back of the net change and he's not doing it. I mean, I I think this, this has got to be on Tuchel, although, although I have to say I have an element of sympathy you know, I, I don't fault him for sorting out the back. You know, all good managers seeing a team that are low on confidence, losing lots of games, appalling defend, defensively, are going to try and sort that out first. He's looked at who we've got and he's reckoned that the best way for us to not ship goals is to play a back three straight back five. And I agree with him. The trouble is, is that that screws everything else. And what we've got, we've got Timo Werner, who is not a number nine, Okay, we've got Pulisic and Ziyech, who I think are wingers, and and Hudson-Odoi, add him in there. You know, they like to play on the touchline and come in, uh, you know, uh, Ziyech coming in from right and to the left to go on his left peg, Pulisic uh, left to right, Hudson-Odoi left to right as well. And he's so he's got all of these creative and attacking players, I think, playing out of their right positions. I think, I think Timo Werner would play much better in a, in a two-up front. With a t- with with Tammy, I mean, we all we all called it earlier in the season, didn't we? TNT, that dynamite, you know. And I th- I think big man, little man, big man, quick man. I mean, Timo Werner is more of an inside forward, old school for me. So, but I I don't think Tuchel can play that because if he plays that, he plays it at the expense of the defense, and we'll ship goals again. And I and I feel for him; it is a problem. But hey, he gets paid millions of pounds a year to figure that shit out, so maybe he should start. <laughs> Yep, that is correct. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It, it is, it's been a bugaboo of mine all year. Uh, and it's, again, you you hope that Timo 
gets it right, you hope that he straight, straightens his head out or his confidence out or whatever it is. But if he's in the right position, Nick, he's probably got a better chance to do that. If he's in the right system, he's probably got a better chance and to do that. You see this screenshot just as well as I do. It's him one-on-one with the goalkeeper and oh, he yeah. chose to pass it. I mean, like that. I <laughs> no, don't know. No, yeah, but, but hang on, Nick. He, he, I actually, did, I think he did the right thing there. I don't think that so was... So did the announcers, thing. but a confident striker would never have passed that ball. No, they saying. wouldn't. But, but he, I still think he did the right thing. It was all about getting a goal. And actually, he knew that Mason Mount coming onto it would be more, uh, would be better positioned to score than he would, where the keeper was already coming out. I had no, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I have a problem when he's like, <laughs> he's, like he's playing, like he's playing Germany uh, for Germany against your favorite team, North Macedonia, and, and he fucking misses an open goal. I have a problem with that when he can't get his feet in the right place. But I didn't have a problem with what he did today, I'll be honest. I think he's had far worse moments for Chelsea. That That is something that we're not going to argue with. Joe, from your perspective, <laughs> if you look at since Tuchel came in and kind of the role that Tammy uh, has not had and knowing that we can put the collective appearances of Timo Werner uh, kind of like in display, I guess, where are your thoughts on like the lack of Tammy, even if it's on the bench? I know he was injured recently, but it seems like there's early signs that maybe Tammy is not the 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 soup de jour for for Tuchel. Yeah, this this is a tricky one because I think nobody is under the illusion that that Tammy Abraham is you know Didier Drogba. No, no, you know nobody is suggesting that he is Drogba or Costa or this sort of world-class entity at the moment. But then the drop-off from that perspective that he isn't this superstar to actually where he is, in a lot of Chelsea fans' mind, I think is is very, very peculiar. You know, this is a club that even under, you know, Bramwich's ownership and all the money that we've been able to spend on strikers, we can probably count the, the number of good centre-forwards we've bought on, you know, on one hand. It's, it is probably Drogba, Costa, and maybe Anelka. Talking we, about we... real... We did this last year with the yeah. with the draft that we did, right, Joe? The striker yeah. pool was so thin. It was yeah. incredible. And you had to go get one early. Yeah. And and the fact that Chelsea fans would turn their nose up at Tammy Hewitt. I think Tammy, in terms of like his season, I'm not just sort of Premier League. I think he's 15, 20 goals a season and he doesn't take penalties. And the fact that Chelsea fans seem to turn their nose up at this because he's not this fully formed, you know, reincarnation of Didier Drogba, I find very peculiar. And I do think certainly, if you look at the moment, I think Tammy's on about 50k a week, which you know, in relative terms, is nothing to sniff at. But compared to some of the people that we bought, you know, he's on a third of the less money, and he contributes an awful lot more to the to the team. I think you know, I think he's mobile. I think he's back to play. Um, you know, his, his ability to play back to goal has improved this season. Still needs to still needs to improve a lot more, but it's he's not going to improve. You know, sitting he's not even sitting in the stand, sitting at home at the moment. Um, I think he's he's a more reliable finisher. Um, and I just think his, the way that he is linked with players like Werner and Havertz and Mount and others, he, I think he's actually the best focal point of the team. And he may not be perfect, and I'm not, I'm not making suggestion that he is his perfect player, but I think he has enough of the sort of the, the kind of bits and pieces of skills that you would want from a centre forward. That even when he's not scoring, he brings others into play. And I think certainly when we play with Timo as a number nine, you know, if the ball goes up to him, it's coming straight back. You know, it has to be the perfect pass down the way that we play at the moment because we, we know he's hitting a long pass to him. has to be the perfect ball into him. Even then, you're gambling on his first touch. You know, and even then, you're gambling on his ability to, to hit the target at this point in time. At least with Tammy, you can bang it up to him and he's going to contest the ball. You can play off second balls. You can actually play a little bit off of him in terms of that capacity. 
And the thing is, again, today, you know, again, I'm not suggesting that Tammy is this you know, aerial powerhouse, but some of the crosses that, that we're putting in today, he would have at least been around them. You know, and I think, again, sometimes it, it, it's one of them where, you know, if you put centre-backs under pressure, they may make a little bit mistake and then you, you get on the second ball and then you finish. I think that he he adds a lot more to the team than he takes away. And I think it gives Chelsea a lot more flexibility in how we actually build up, how we actually play the game. Because at the moment, I think, you know, to, to Chichi's point into what you're saying, to to fashion chances, to engineer chances with Timo Werner, we have to play the perfect piece of football to put him into a position where he has to finish. With Tammy, look, if you look at some of his goals, some of them are quite scrappy. And scrappy goals win titles. And that, you know, yes, you know, we may never win a title with Tammy as the number nine, but this this sort of you know, reluctance to accept him as our best centre forward because he's not Didier Drogba or Diego Costa is is rubbish because nobody else is at the club. Nobody else is anywhere in, you know, you know, they're not even in the conversation in terms of centre forwards that we've had. So I'd like to see him get an opportunity because I, I just think overall he he gives us the best opportunity to win and he, he allows us to play in the most varied way, which I think sometimes when we play with other players, it's such a specific style of play. Teams will start to, to figure it out, you know, and it, with Tammy, it can be scrappy. It can be, can be balls launched into him. It can be direct, but those, you know, those, those um, ways of playing will potentially give us uh, more options to, to score. And I don't think we can really turn our nose up for that at the moment. I mean, it's, it's interesting, Joe. I, I actually wonder, I, I think it's to do with style. It's a style of football that modern managers want to play. I mean, this is why you get all this nonsense about false number nines, you know, it's about, it's like the, it's, it's the attacking equivalent of having to have goalkeepers. You can play out from the back, you know, you're not allowed to score shitty, scrappy goals anymore. I absolutely have you right. I wonder if players like Costa and Drogba would even bloody get into a Chelsea side of the modern era. <laughs> I, it, here's a stat for you, because you know how much I love stats, but this is a cracker, <laughs> right? In terms of goals uh, per appearances, Tammy Abraham for, I mean, take Eto out of the equation because he only played 21 games, was scored nine goals. Tammy Abraham is third to Didio... Didio uh, to Diego Costa, who is first, mm. and Didier Drogba, who is second. He is <laughs> third to the to those guys. 30 goals in 80 games, right? So his his, his ratio is 3.375. Costa's was 0.49, and Drogba's was 0.46. I mean, what more do you bloody want? And he's what, 23, well, 24? Yeah. And, and when you talk about a player that can think on his feet, Tammy is one of those guys. Yeah. Tammy can do something can't, can't different. can't stay on his feet, mind, but yeah. you can think <laughs> on them. He's, he's up here. That's, that's, uh, it's the next phase of evolution. No, I mean, that, but but for real, I mean, he, he will find himself in different spaces. You know, he will make a weird run just to test it out, just to try something different. Timo is in this robotic phase where he's trying to do one thing, shift the ball over first touch is God awful. And people are giving Tammy crap about his first touch. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's again, it just seems hypocritical to me is all. And I hate, I hate that. And uh, it will, you know, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. Everyone's a hypocrite, but th- this whole argument is hypocritical to me. It is just, it's, it's not genuine. And it, I don't know. It just really sucks. And look, I hope, I hope for everyone's sake that you see some, Giroux or some Abraham sighting on Wednesday, but because you cannot have Timo up there alone right now, suffering like he is to get through a game. I mean, it is, it's bad. It's bad. One, one interesting point about that is I think a lot of people were really surprised in the moment that it was Pulisic coming off for Timo at half, but we've now found out that Pulisic actually got injured at halftime. 
during the you know the cool down warm up stuff and then that's why Timo was so late getting on the pitch is he was halfway in the shower probably <laughs> at that point honestly so Pulisic another hamstring injury out for another undetermined amount of time another setback for him something is significantly awry with him and his hamstrings and some long-term thinking needs to be had at this point of with Christian and Chelsea because this startup injured reset over and over every couple months is is not the way forward um so I think T, T you know Timo's probably a little bit lucky that he got as much time today as he did so um looking ahead where do Chelsea go from here uh, as you as you all can see here in the script Obviously, Porto is coming up on Wednesday in the Champions League. Then you got Crystal Palace, Porto return leg. Then you got Man City, FA Cup semifinals, Brighton, West Ham, Fulham, Man City in the league, Arsenal, Leicester, Villa to end out the season. Now, we've already discussed this. Chidge, that is a rough last four or five matches to the season. We're continuing our run in the cup tournaments with Champions League in the quarterfinals and the semifinals with Man City. So again, there's more matches midweek as this season comes crashing to an end. It was crazy when Rick Glanville put out the tweet this, I think leading up to this match that the, there's less than a quarter of the season left. I've kind of blinked and it's like where I can't believe we're already to this point, but it is absolute crunch time. So I guess looking at these last eight matches or so, Thoughts, concerns, excitement? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not worried about top four because we're going to win the Champions League. So, you know, hey! we, don't, we don't have to worry about No, I mean, in, look, Nick and I were talking about this before we went on air, actually. And, I mean, you know, we've got, yeah, it's a horrible, a horrible run in in terms of the amount of games we've got. But, you know, we've been doing this every year for the last 20 years. So we shouldn't be worried about that now. Um, I think, actually... In a funny old sense, it, I mean, I, one thing we didn't talk about today, oddly, was, you know, were we really perhaps hampered a bit by the international break, which kind of stopped our momentum? You talk to any any player, uh, whether they're modern players or or particularly older players, and they'll all tell you, no, no, we love playing, we love playing. The more we play, the less we have to train, and we don't like training. <laughs> you know, so you know, good. You know, the more the more games there are, the generally the more happy they are. And if if you're playing a lot of games, it means you're going deep into tournaments, and they like that too. So they shouldn't be too worried about that. And in a sense, nor am I. I mean, we've got in Palace, uh, Brighton. Uh, you know, we've certainly got some. You know, what we sh- we would say are very winnable games, like West Brom was. So you know that you can't take anything for granted. Um, some people are a bit worried by the fact that we've got. Arsenal, City, or City, Arsenal, and Leicester, and Villa as well. Actually, you shouldn't really discount them as our last four games. But on the other hand, my feeling is is that you know West Ham and Leicester and possibly Villa, possibly Arsenal. You know, we're taking points off teams that are competing with us to get into top four. So actually, that that's that's preferable. You know, okay, it'll be tough, but you know, if we beat those guys, we're going to finish in the top four. So you know, bring it on. Not worried about it at all. Confidence personified. Look at that. Uh, yeah, I mean, look. You, I've, had, I've had that beer, by the way, Nick. That, oh, that thank, could be the beer talking. God, <laughs> it, it looks so good. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think your your point earlier. You might have turned me around on this, Chidge. Your point earlier that Palace, uh, Brighton, Fulham, West Ham. I I think West Ham are pretty good. I don't know. I, I've watched them a bunch this year. But Brighton Palace and, and Fulham may be more challenging than West Ham, Arsenal, and Leicester. You know, I, I don't think we're going to beat Man City, so that's just 
that's just me kind of putting that out there. But, you know, your, your point about them sitting back and just absorbing and making it tough on us. And instead, maybe we get to play a little bit more on the counter against Arsenal or Leicester or, or West Ham, you know, that, that may benefit us. So I, I don't know. Uh, either way, it, it's going to be a crunch. I mean, the, in my general sense is that you cannot lose to West Brom at home. If you, if you're serious about top four, I, I think it's a, it's a bad result. And my hope is that we can overcome it by beating someone that that's maybe a little tougher, but it's a, it's a bad result flat out. No doubt about that, mate. Joe, uh, I guess real quick, I should put a, a little editor's note, no Dan, no Dan of the match. So I apologize all of you looking for that. <laughs> Uh, but Joe, just with the league table, we're kind of, there's really not much to cover because we are the first match of the weekend. There's matches all the way to West Ham playing on Monday, not to be doomsday, but if everything goes against us this weekend, I believe Chelsea could be in sixth place come Monday night. Yeah. Uh, something, I think somebody just pointed out to me in, in terms of the league, I think we've only won two of the last six, which isn't the kind of form really that you want to be kind of taking into the, the latter stages of, of the season. Um, I do think, though, again, this comes to my sort of inverse theory of how Chelsea play against teams, that having the City, Arsenal and Leicester games, I'm less concerned about having them, particularly back-to-back-to-back. I do think, actually, that, that those are games will turn up for. It's more the Brighton and the West Ham and Fulham games that are leading into those that I think I have uh, I have some sort of concerns about. Um, you know, Porto on, on Wednesday, I think, will be a, a really challenging tie I know that we were all very happy when we got them, but Sergio Conceição has a very good team there. Um, and they will have looked at it today and they'll think, okay, maybe this is something that we can replicate and we have better players than West Brom. Um, and there's certainly a team that has an awful lot of energy in midfield, which I'm slightly concerned about. Uh, Palace, I don't know about that. They always seem to be a team that, that either plays very well against us or doesn't. So, you know, that could be one of those games. It's sort of a, a flip of a coin there. Um, but the rest of the season, I think, yeah, as I said, those those last four games, less concerned about. Um, I think the big one for us will be that I think we have to beat West Ham. But as much as it's weird to say, you know, crunch point of the season that West Ham are a sort of serious threat to us, I think if we beat them and create that kind of separation, I think we should be okay when it comes to the rest of the teams around us. Um, I do think by the time we play City, they'll probably be champions and hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll have taken their foot off the gas a little bit. Arsenal, what I hope that we can beat at home Leicester, I think, in a crunch game, I think hopefully we can beat them. Villa again. I mean, I think we should potentially win the, the last four games that we have. Um, if everybody's fit and firing and we're kind of, we haven't disintegrated after this result today. But uh, yeah, not, I'm not hugely concerned with, with, with the running. Um, but uh, I think the, the, the crunch games, I think we'll kind of know where, where, we, where or whereabouts we are after the, uh, the Fulham game. I think where we, if we're kind of in touching distance or in fourth, I think we'll be, uh, we'll be okay. I definitely think the mm, confidence of the fans is probably taking a bit of a hit after this one. Pre-international break, flying high. No one could touch us. Coming off of the emphatic Atletico win. Now, I think we're just like, okay, hey, reality check. I think even Tuchel used that as a as a talking point today is that it's not necessarily in the bag. I mean, before we were talking about trying to catch United in second. Now we're like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a step back. Let's just make sure we do the top four dance and uh, go from there. Um, but it, it'll be a lot to shake out. You know, two wins out of our last five, two draws and a loss isn't uh, the, the greatest run of form that we want to be in. But we're still in kind of a soft part of the um, 
the schedule right before the 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 very end. So we'll have to see. But um, Chidge, appreciate you. How are you doing this season overall? Have you enjoyed it? Has it been heartbreaking? I mean, we started with Frank. Now we're with Tuchel. What a roller coaster. Um, well, I mean, I think the, the 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 main caveat on this season is it's been a bag of shite because we've not been able to go. Uh, and I think you you need to start every conversation from there. You know, it, it's been shit because we can't go. I'm sick to death of watching it on TV. And I know that sounds really, you know, a bit churlish considering you guys, that's the choice you have for most of the year. But, you know, when, you, when you're used to going there every other week, it really, really hurts. And I hate watching it on TV because I, I don't see what I see at the bridge. I see the whole game, you know, so I can dig more players out when they're playing badly. Isn't that right, Joe? Joe hears me when I when I dig players out. It's quite funny. <laughs> this bellowing voice, four seats down. <laughs> Indeed. I, my favourite moment of all time, Joe may have heard this, was when I, I got up, I was so cross with Nemanja Matic. It's quite appropriate because it was the... It was Good Friday yesterday. There's this great film called The Long Good Friday. And I got up and I shouted, Matic, you long, streaky, lanky, streaky piece of piss. Something like that. And, I, and nobody was saying anything at the time. So it was like really loud. It was like one of those embarrassing <laughs> moments. But anyway, I mean, so yeah, you have to start at that position. But I mean, what a, what a nuts season. I mean, the ups and downs. I mean, I'm used to ups and downs of watching Chelsea. But you know how how we how we you know that that run that Frank went on it was all great all the youngsters all these new exciting players and then the new exciting players end up not not being very exciting and then Frank gets sacked and then it's I mean I, I, I that's one of the lowest I felt at Chelsea when Frank got sacked I'll be honest with you because it wasn't just Frank it was the shattering of a, a, a I think a lot of us were so wedded to this belief that finally things might be changing at Chelsea. Finally, there might be a long-term plan. Finally, it might be the opportunity to really generally have a proper pathway open for these talented youngsters. So it was really tough to take. And then Tuchel comes in and, and, and how can you not love Tommy T? I mean, he's, he's been brilliant. I mean, he's a breath of fresh air. Um, And I've loved most of everything that he's done, you know, and, and here we are, we're in, I mean, I, I had no, I didn't think we'd get past Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. We're in the quarterfinal. We've got a good chance of getting through to the semi. What an absolute, in a sense, a typical Chelsea season. Glorious unpredictability, as our dear friend Marco would say. So there you go. So true. So, so true. Um, well, obviously, you guys are dealing with your own challenges over there, let alone going to see the footy. So uh, obviously, glad that you guys are at least able to stay connected somehow. It, it, again, we're just, I think we're all ready for, for this to safely be in the rearview mirror. But um, anyways, tweets, obviously, thanks to you. I mean, we talk so much more often now. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, Joe's back. But <laughs> it's still special. It's fun having you back on the match review. So thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always tough to come on, particularly so soon after the game, particularly one when you've been absolutely hammered. Um, but yeah, hopefully By it's... Exactly. Yeah. By West Brom, not, not even someone remotely uh, competent, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I at least aim to be, well, hopefully the next one will be slightly better. I'm slightly more enthusiastic and uh, yeah, positive to talk about, but yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those, I think today I'm just going to uh, avoid football for the rest of the weekend and just focus on the uh, Porto game coming up. And, yep. and it must be Absolutely. really hard. must be really hard for Joe. He probably didn't know I was coming on. 
I <laughs> change your mind there. No, listen. Joking aside, I, I got. I just wanted to very quickly say I, I've heard Joe's new podcast and, I, and I've been reading his his blogs. Absolutely top work, mate. Well done. Absolutely brilliant. A real difference and a breath of fresh air. So I hope there's many more to come. I've really enjoyed them. Yeah, I appreciate that, mate. Thank you very much. And do, do you, I mean the other thing is, does this mean you don't ever want to come on the fan cast again? Uh, no, you, you can you can book book me soon. I, can think, I always I miss I always miss the schedule. I miss the schedule in the WhatsApp every single time. That that's my that's my fault. But, uh, Joe, I mean, I, I was I was only joking. I mean, I presume that you he's on a he's on a lovely PR to have him on. Jig. Sorry, mate. We we need. I say he's on a PR tour. We need to have him on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The power. It's in be. his contract. Well, I mean, you know, just as a, a, another joke because I think it was it was Nick or Brandon who mentioned it earlier. The fabled Chelsea Fancast WhatsApp group. Joe has been almost a founder member of the the, the fabled Chelsea Fancast WhatsApp group. So I, I would, I would, you know, I'm, I'm so glad he still wants to play with us as well as going off and doing his own things. But uh, either way, Joe, it's brilliant. Your your new podcast is a real real brilliant piece of work. So well done. I'll make yeah, you a thanks, deal. I'll, I'll make your deal, Chidge. He do, can do go you on. own Joe? Do you own Joe? I don't tell I'll me. Make I I'm, I'm his agent now. Um, <laughs> I, it, it, he can go on the show as long as you dig us out four or five times per show for the rest of eternity. I think well, that will be is, less than normal. Dude. Yeah, I know. I, that's, I'm normal. just lower it just a little XD, bit. Come on, expected digs. I love it. Brilliant stuff. Well done. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely make it worth our time uh, next time we're in London. We'll catch up on all that. But uh, oh, as always, shit, cannot yeah, wait. As always, Good lord, Chidge. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Lovely to see you. Tweeds, same to you. Nick, you as well, sir. Um, Sometimes uh, it's tougher to do the getting shithoused by West Brom match reviews than the uh, thrashing of an Arsenal or City. So um, we have to be careful with these and and try to bring a little bit of uh, clarity. So um, it was good. We appreciate it. Good, Good run. We miss Dan, though. We'll always miss Dan. My script is better than Dan. Boom. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown out there. So, hey, Chelsea fans, um, hopefully the weekend got better for you. Hopefully you have a good week. But like the season's been, you don't have to wait long to see what kind of a response you get from Chelsea. So Porto on Wednesday, the Champions League anthem will be back. Um, we'll be back Thursday covering that as well. So, again, thank you all for listening. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>